This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate Valley. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I'm ready to party. Good morning, Vietnam! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Magic myth on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Is it officially Christmas now that we're doing Christmas movies on the podcast? Yes. Yes. Merry Christmas, everyone. I wish I had that energy today. <laughs> I really wish I had that energy today. I always have energy when it's Christmas, <laughs> mainly because I eat nothing but chocolate for the entire month of December and drink Prosecco. Yay! <laughs> and cheese. And many pork products. Many pork products. If it's not wrapped in bacon. <laughs> if it's not wrapped in bacon, it's not Christmas. <laughs> Though I did buy my first bag of mini eggs yesterday. You did. <laughs> so it's like a Christmas eating Easter chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, B&M. <laughs> So welcome to His Film, Her Movie. Hello. We are a podcast about movies. Yes. And we normally take a situation or... A theme. A theme, both pick a film on it and discuss it. Yes. Now, this this week is kind of one of a two-parter, I think. Two-parter. Yeah, as it is Christmas time. Yes. But it's getting there. We're still we're still ten days off Christmas. I'm so excited. <laughs> Mainly because I finish work in five days. Oh, lucky you. Jordan does not finish work in five days. Jordan I do finishes not. work in six and a half days. Yes. And that extra day and a half is like torture. I love the fact that you're working from home. Um like your half day before you finish and you've got to come downstairs and start work. Mm. Oh, thank like, you. I can, feel no. you. I can feel your compassion in your voice. And I'm going to be like, me and Angel are going to stay in bed <laughs> and then we're going to like fanny on around the house, <laughs> eat some more chocolate and be like, oh, it's nice not having to work. <laughs> so yeah, so this, uh, I want to move on because I'm, I'm getting angrier and angrier. You can hear him laughing through the anger. So this week is quintessential Christmas movies. Yeah, or like feel good Christmas movies. Yeah, it's it's a, the the go to Christmas movies as well. I think yeah. of, of the time the the, the the classical scene Christmas movies. I would say yes. And I have chosen this week, nineteen nineties, the John Hughes written, Chris Columbus directed Home Alone. Yes, yes, you have. And what did you choose? I picked the. The 1994, also John Hughes. Yes. Not all John Hughes. Miracle on 34th Street. Yes, it was co-written by John Hughes uh, and produced by him. It's a John Hughes Christmas. It is. A Christmas thought. No, I can't even think of anything that rhymes with John Hughes and Christmas. So I'm going to leave it right there. Well, I was going to pick the classic Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. But I can't have Christmas Eve without watching it. And Jordan refused to watch it twice in less than two weeks. So, for this one, this is my backup. (laughs) 
So yeah, so <laughs> and let us know what you what your Christmas movies are. Yes, let us know because I think everybody's got like a tradition. Yeah. To watch a certain one, like my tradition one, is Muppets Christmas mm. Carol, but I can't waste it because it's it to me. But if you sit down on Christmas Eve with like some chocolates and the people that you love, and you watch that film, mm. it's like. Now it's properly Christmas. <laughs> and that's it. And I think it's just let us know what yours is. What's your traditions? What do you like to do? Do you like to watch a few going to Christmas? Or do you like to watch them on Christmas morning? Things like that. Just get in touch. And you can do that through our social medias. You can on at His Film Her Movie on Twitter. Yep. On at His Film Her Movie Podcast on Instagram. Get in touch. Um, and also get in touch with the Pod Syndicate guys at Pod Syndicate. I'm sure they'll be putting up some Christmas themed. I think there has already been one. Right. Up. There's been talks of it. I think there's a alternative al- Christmas al- alternative Christmas yeah. uh, little thing being put up there, and it's like a nice little article for you to read because everybody's got a different Christmas yeah. film. And that would then, of course, be for next week. Will be our alternative Christmas film. Absolutely. So that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I don't think we have any other housekeeping, really, do we? No, just uh, follow us on social media and give the We Are Pod Syndicate a look over. Follow on Twitter because it was Noel who looking after it. Yeah. It's now Mark. So God only knows what's going to go up, but it should end up being quite funny, really. Well, there we are. There we are. So what, which film do you want to start with first? Should we do Home Alone 2? Home Alone, Home Alone 2? Home Alone 1. First. I've wrote down Home Alone too. Yeah. Because that's the one I really like. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start with Home Alone and we'll be back. Are those microwave dinners any good? I don't know. I'll give them a whirl. For the kids. Hold on, I got a coupon for that. It was in the paper this morning. 1983. Okay. Are you here all by yourself? Ma'am, I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Where's your mom? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and your sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Uh, I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. So, yeah, as I said, this is 1990s Home Alone. So there's no spoiler alerts, because if you haven't seen it, then... Yeah, if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it by now, you are too young to be listening to this podcast, really. That is very, very, very true. So it tells the story of the McAllisters, Mm -hmm. um, most notably Kevin McAllister, who, whilst the day before they go out (laughs) travelling to Paris for Christmas... Mm-hmm. He has a kerfuffle with his family. A kerfuffle. A kerfuffle. Gets put upstairs on his own. And when the electrics knock out the alarm clocks, they wake up late and end up leaving him back at home whilst they get a plane to attic. Paris. <laughs> in the attic. And then what you have is his experiences of having no family and being a kid around the house. But also you've got two burglars, played by Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, who are trying to loot the entire street because they know people go away for Christmas. Christmas. 
And yeah, I'm trying to think now. I think that's that's it. That's the plot. It's such a famous film. You can't really go into the plot because everybody knows that. Everybody knows the picture of him, like screaming with his like ah. Yeah. And it's like the poster and everything. Everybody knows it. If you haven't actually seen the film, you at least know like memes and clips and everything. So why to you is this a is like this like the quintessential Christmas film? Well, I'm gonna actually say something now. Which is, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get a bit of a, a bit of a Grinch <laughs> a reaction like from you. everyone. <laughs> it's it's because I'm generally, even though I do watch them, I am not overly like a lover of Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. I, if I want to watch a good movie. I just watch a good movie, no matter yes. what time of year it is. Oh, like yeah. you know what I mean. It's sort of like I don't really go out of my way to watch stuff Christmassy around Christmas time. Can I ask when yeah? you guys were growing up? Did you watch no. like a Christmas? No. Okay. I think that's why because the certain films was we always watched a Christmas film. My mum and dad would get all the veg done, get everything prepped the night before. Me and my sister would help set the table. And then no doubt one of the parents would then redo the table because we've done it so badly. Um, ready for everybody to come the next day. And then when everything was done, the four of us would sit down as a family and watch a Christmas film. Mm. Which I think is why these have always got a bit of a special place in my heart. Because it reminds me of like us passing around like the box of chocolates. My mum and dad, like the smell of stuff starting to get ready. And... Like, it, it's a running joke in our family. Like, we're in our 30s. My mum still does us a Christmas stocking. Yeah. Until I moved out and until my sister moved out, my dad thought it was hilarious to still manage to sneak into our rooms and put it on the end of the beds and be like, oh, look, Santa's been. The fact that he had two daughters, he could sleep through like an A-bomb. He was still so proud of himself for being able to do that. So it was always such a really big thing in yeah, our yeah. house. But that's it. So it was never. It's never something that really, and has still not taken me over. Like you know what I mean. I don't. I don't go out my way to watch them. No. However, Home Alone is still a good movie. Um, and there's one reason why it is a good movie, and that's John Hughes. Yeah, John Hughes is great. Um, I'm actually saying that. No, I'm not taking a bit away from Christopher Columbus because he does bring quite a lot of nice childish humour to this as well. Mm -hmm. And it's him who who gets the performance out of Macaulay Culkin, which did make him, for like what, an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, the biggest star on the planet at the time. And it's, for me, it's about the opening of like five, ten minutes when the entire family is in the house AKA it's gone manic yeah and it's it's i love watching kids deliver dialogue but sound like 40 year olds whilst doing it <laughs> it's the whole dawson's creek side of it. it's yes. like you know what i mean dawson's creek was famous for it. it's like you got these like 15 16 year old kids well playing 15 16 year old kids but they were actually 40 they were actually like in the in the mid-20s but the dialogue was so sophisticated it was like nobody ever speaks like that no. and that's kind of what i like it, it adds to the charm of home alone um and you've, yeah you've got this central message of what's the most important part about family sorry about christmas and that is family because you have the the, the sort of the character arc of Kevin McAllister who hates his family in the beginning and realizes after a couple of days that do you know what they aren't that bad after all and is really happy when they return. I want to 
disagree. His family are horrific. His family are horrific. They are awful. And I remember we were laughing through the film because their immediate family, so Kevin's father's kids, they all look nothing alike. No, they so don't. So it's like, I'm just wondering if there's some sort of open relationship going on there and they've all got different fathers or... Not a single one. <laughs> Looks like even the blonde kids have got completely different blonde hair to each other. Yeah. None of them look alike. Um, now, me and my sister, you know, we used to fight and annoy each other. We were nothing like Kevin and his older brother. Like, you have an older brother. Did you guys used to hate each other oh, yeah. that much? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. You fight like cats and dogs. Yeah, but like, like to the point where he'd be like, I'm going to kill you if you come in my room. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. God, I really hope I have boys then. I've never had oh, that. Like, to me, that was always like the whole very stereotypical, oh, they're boys and they'll fight. And it's like, I never actually thought... Brothers were actually like that. Oh yeah, brothers beat the living shit out of each but other. They still yeah. love each other. Oh yeah, but so so but so does brothers. So does brothers and Kevin. Love him. Yeah, he no. does. At the end, yeah. for like thirty seconds, they're in Paris, and he's like, "I don't care. He's fine. Nothing's going to happen to him or anything." Literally, could not give a flying crap about his brother. Like so I, I, I am I, I, I so think I sure that if your mum had left you, I'm sure. Your brother would have been like, actually, I'm a little bit worried about Jordan. I think, or maybe the other way around. I think the, the same way he's talking about um, Kevin being left, I think it's obviously mostly there for comedic value because the way, I mean, that, that great scene is like, there's three reasons why. Um, <laughs> one. One, two, and D. Yeah. And it's like, we live on the most boring street in America and nothing's going to happen. But and then, then everybody gets burgled. So then everybody gets burgled. But yeah, for me, it's Macaulay Culkin is brilliant in this movie. For for a child of that age to give that performance, it, it's a central performance as well. Oh, yeah. It's not just like he'd worked with John Hughes before and Uncle Buck, so therefore they knew he had he had a talent. But he just became this huge star off this. And you've got Joe Pesci, who was like right after this. I shouldn't. It was probably right after or right before the Goodfellas. And like <laughs> that's one of his most terrifying performances. And you you're putting it up with here and like Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, the back and forth of those two. It's really good. They've got perfect like chemistry. Oh and yeah. Timing. Yeah, the timing between them is brilliant. So so good. I actually heard a really funny story about Joe Pesci. Alright. And it was soon after this. And um <clears throat> he was out somewhere and um, a little boy and his dad recognised him and he basically scared him into behaving. He was like, I'll come around your house and I'll burgle it. If you don't, if you don't behave. Because he was like, he's like the scary character in Oh, this. absolutely, yeah. He is. He is menacing looking. It's Joe Pesci. He's always going to be menacing looking. For a guy <laughs> with stature. But the thing is, for a guy with stature, he holds a hell of a lot of weight behind him. Yeah. But not not weight, but it's like a gravitas. In, yeah. He's so good comedically in this movie because yeah he's a I mean he's a one of the one of the the best American like sort of exports that there is and this is why the Irishman's such a big deal because he hasn't acted in like what seventeen eighteen years and um, because he retired. Who's he in the Irishman? He plays Robert. You know the guy who gets Robert De Niro back in, who fixes oh his car. Oh my god! Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
now that you say it, I can see it. Do you know what it is? It's because his face is so much thinner. Well, he's, I didn't he's older rec- now. I know, like... he's old, his face is so much thinner. I didn't recognise him until you said it's him. And I was like, yeah, it is. you can tell by the eyes. Yeah, yeah. I oh, I feel really bad because <laughs> like, I've been really enjoying watching that. I didn't realise it was him. And um, you, Robert De Niro, and the guy who looks like... Al Pacino. Yeah, Al Pacino. And what's the other guy who I said looks like Matt Damon's brother, but isn't? Oh, are oh, you going to put me on the spot now? The guy who I thought was Matt Damon's brother, and we watched him in something. You were like, "No, it's not." Jesse Plemons. Yes. Jesse Plemons. No, but yeah. So Joe Pesci is so good comedically because we've all seen him be menacing. We've all seen him be that gangster. Mm-hmm. However, watching him fly down some stairs and it's it's just the way he sort of mutters the insults like they're inaudible but you just know somewhere deep below he's just cursing this kid out and he is i mean he is sort of one of the the star of this movie really apart from macaulay Culkin. but one thing that whilst watching this was i keep forgetting how long because when you think about home alone what what's the first thing you think about I literally just think of him like chucking paint cans at people and that sort of stuff. I, I, I've got, I've wrote down stuff. I was like, I completely forgot this happened. But, but you think about the booby traps. Yeah. And I did. I always forget how long it is before you actually get to that. Yeah. Because you're you're watching the film for a good what maybe an hour before mm-hmm. you even get to those scenes, and. Yeah, it's just like that ramp up t- towards it. And don't wrong, there is some good stuffs in there, and it's. This is a kids' movie, obviously. Yeah. But it's it's like that, that sort of kids' dream of like having no repercussions, being able to jump on the bed, have your eat ice cream with. I love that. That was ice cream, marshmallows, chocolate, and strawberry sauce yeah. in front of the TV and a giant bag of chips. Look great. And that's it. And like, there's also that little theory which I always love, is that how Kevin McCarthy actually grew up to be Jigsaw. From Saw movies. Oh, oh well, one of the theories I've heard is that um, Kevin's dad is a drugs kingpin. Right. And that's how he can afford that huge house. Yeah. And take all the family to Paris and then take all the family to the other place in the next film. Yeah. Because literally, how does he afford that house? He's got like four kids. Already. Probably a lot more, actually. Yeah, but since none of them look like him, he's probably off banging somebody else. He's probably got about 20 kids. But yeah, I read that. I read somewhere that his dad is a, a drugs kingpin, and that's oh, how he can afford everything. And Yeah, this is one good theory as well. But it's like, it's those parents, they, they try to make them come across as like, oh, they made me this mistake, but generally... The awful parents, but it's not even like part of it. Well, it is part of the movie, but it's like the adults go into first class on that goddamn yes! plane and put the kids in coach, and some of them kids are like, like six? six. I'm not sitting next to a six because by the time they get there, it's like sit wherever you can in coach. Yeah. You're gonna be sat next to a six-year-old child, unsupervised, yeah. on a plane for like. God, how many hours? New York to Paris? What, when I went to Vegas, it was like nine hours Yeah, you'd be talking ridiculous. about, yeah. So what, like 12 hours or something? It'd be something like, like 10 hours, something like that, yeah. But it's... 
it's got a, it's yeah, it's very easy. The whole lot isn't a great movie. It's a good movie, but it's a good Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. It takes quite a long time to get going. It's got a lot of heart in it, and I do love the whole character arc of the um the people, the person that they're scared of. Um, I forgot his name. Oh, the next. Right, the next I found that over. absolutely heartbreaking because he knows that everybody in the street is saying he's a murderer. Yeah. And he's not. That's really upsetting. He's got a lot of heart. And that scene where he tells Kevin Kevin about like family and this and his story about him and his son and how important they are. And that is the whole theme of the film, is that family. And I like that because it's, yeah. it's not just... It's not there just for the laughs. It's there to actually deliver a message as well. Mm-hmm. And especially Christmas movies, you're going to deliver a message because it's Christmas and that's what they're there to do. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't really have much more to say about it because it's, it's Home Alone. It's, you can't really go into massive amounts of analysis. I feel like, though, as you get older, um, like we pointed out right at the start, he's really scared of the furnace in the basement. That's something that is very American. It doesn't translate very well over here because I was younger, I was like, what is that? Yeah. Like, I have no idea what that is. I quite like that irrational fear of household appliances, though, because, like, as a kid, I was scared of our computer. Like, terrified. Why were you scared of the computer? Because it made freakishly weird noises when you switched it on. Like, I remember when we bought it, I was maybe about 11, and you put it on, and it made so much... And it was obviously an expensive thing back then. It was massive. And I used to always think if I pressed it, the noises that it was making, it was breaking. Okay, so you were a 90-year-old man when you were 11, scared of technology? Yeah. I don't think there was any appliance that I was afraid of in the house. But to be honest, actually, what's one thing as well, um, not even against technology, is what makes this film Christmassy? It's not just the fact that it takes part over Christmas and it's, that makes it Christmassy to me. It's that theme. It's John Williams's. Do, 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 yep. do, do. That's Christmassy to me. That is very Christmassy. You and, hear that and you're like, oh, Christmas. And that's it. And, and that theme actually is really beautiful as well because it starts off kind of, kind of creepy, this with Danny Elfman vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into this nice, soft, melodic um, score. And it's wonderful. It's, and it's even the, the, the fast stuff when they're in the airport. The... That's Christmassy to me. It is. But then you, when you're just in the Danny Elfman, it starts off and it sounds very much like Nightmare Before Christmas. It does. It does have that. Um, also, there's no airport checks. They would have realised at an airport check, they'd literally just run through, get on a plane. Yeah. Obviously before anything happened. Um, why does the house have so many dummies in it? And they're not like... like, there's a, like, there's a, like his mum's got like a sewing machine that he's yeah. got. Think, These aren't dressmakers dummies. They're full on from a shop dummies like uh, some part of it doesn't make any sense yeah at all um and i also was saying about um i was talking about part, we wouldn't be able to do parts of it now like the spider well yeah i mean there is some sort of like animal cruelty laws i'm pretty sure that they can't start throwing the spider because they, they actually throw the spider which you wouldn't be able to do nowadays which is horrendous you think and i don't like spiders but still like spiders. but still that is kind of bad but it's, it's also stuff like this film exists in a time where if you had a mobile phone you just ring him you just ring him you're all right yeah fine all right then well we're gonna try and get our way home um 
go go to we've we've messaged so and so go to next door neighbour's house but, and just stay there. But that's it. But I, I can't I quite like that you'd have to explain that to kids nowadays. It's like oh the phone lines were down so we couldn't phone. Like but what about the alarm clock? Yeah, that goes off. My mum and dad had the exact same alarm clock like up until last year. <laughs> And my, my dad used it every single day to get up for work. And they only changed it because it started going off randomly in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> like it gave, so that sort of thing. And then, but there's just like a battery one, but you could plug it in. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious. Because I was just always like, that, that could happen to us. Oh, no. And one last thing about Home Alone is John Candy. <gasps> yes. The Polka King of the Midwest. The Polka King of the Midwest. Like, John Candy is... Amazing. Yeah. If what, uh, whenever he turns up into a movie, he just makes you smile. But one thing I forgot to say about this... see him lurking in the background, getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little I, bit closer. But I think they only had... I, th- I can't remember if I've read it or seen it or heard it somewhere, but I think they only had him for one or two days... And that he actually made up ninety percent of what he says on screen. He just ad libbed it all. <laughs> we left the kid in the funeral yeah. all day. Yeah, he started talking again after about six weeks. But then, what, what, <laughs> I, lo- what I love about that scene is you've got John Candy doing that. But we've also got Catherine um, O'Hara, who in herself is this brilliant um, improviser, because she comes from the school of Christopher Guest. Uh, Okay. Who did this is Spinal Tap? Seeing them two play off each other, but yeah, John Candy. Whenever he turns up in anything, he is just gold. See, I'm just good at the fact that I didn't know John Candy right until I was much older. So I was like, why is this guy in this film? I had I'd not seen Uncle Buck or anything like that. Like people, people who know us, they, they know that me and Jordan love films, but our families aren't as big no, into no, no. films, so. I didn't see any of like these classics, like John Candy films, until I was much older. And now it's like, oh, I could have really loved that little yeah. cameo when I was younger. Going, look, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the last thing I wanted to mention on Home Alone. So yeah, I think we can just have a break, and we'll come back with Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Are you a craft beer junkie? Do you eagerly anticipate the freshest IPA release from your local craft brewer? Do you check in every beer you've ever had on Untapped? Do you know the difference between a Belgian triple and a Berliner Weisse? Then do we have a podcast for you. What's Untapped podcast gives you beer reviews, interviews with brewers, behind the scenes, access to beer festivals, games, and more. Whether you're a craft beer junkie or new to the world of craft brewing, What's Untapped podcast is something for you. Check us out online, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and now we are podsyndicate.com. And as always, keep drinking, you dum-dums. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news, and an eclectic mix of other film goodies over many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider, or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. You never know, you might like it, and if you don't, well, we don't really give a f- Hello, sir. Oh, how do you do? Would you like to come and sit on my knee? 
Now then, what's your name? Susan Elizabeth Walker. Hmm? What's yours? Mine? <laughs> well, I have uh, lots of names. Uh, Chris Kringle, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, or Nicholas. If you were in Holland, I'd be Santa Claus. Or in Italy, La Bifana. I have to speak many languages because, of course, I travel, as you know, a great deal. Suresh, Gift, Von, Christelon. That's Russian. And Zikulu, Angers, Ya, Noeli. That's Swahili. My mother's Mrs. Walker. She's director of special events for Coles. Uh-huh. She runs a parade. Oh. I know how this all works. You're an employee of Coles. That is true. But you're a very good Santa Claus. Thank Your you. Your beard's stuck on real tight. <laughs> Usually the store Santa Claus whiskers are too loose. Right. Yours look realistic. That's because they are real. You give them a tug. <laughs> okay, so I am doing the 1994 film directed by Les Mayfield, Miracle on 34th Street. Um, so this is the remake yeah. from um, 1974. And for those who don't know... 1947. 1947, sorry. <laughs> I've wrote it down as 1947. Obviously, I can't read today. I'm not had enough chocolate. So this is basically the story of a guy who is picked to be a store Santa Claus. Um, and he brings... Oh, I actually have got my 10-word oh, description. Mine. mine is Old Man Restores City Belief in a Christmas Icon. Very nice. Which I think is really the best way that I can describe yeah. it. And it has... The amazing Richard Attenborough. Yes. And he plays Chris Kringle, Santa. And Mara Wilson, who plays Susan, which is like, who names a baby Susan nowadays? Do you know what Mara Wilson plays? She plays Mara Wilson in every single 90s kids movie. Yeah, this is Mara Wilson being herself, rocking up. She did for like like 10 movies in the early 90s. Yeah, she didn't do any. She was like, I'm done now. Yeah. I can live off the royalties for these for years. Pretty much. And then um, Dylan McDermott as Brian and Elizabeth Perkins as uh, Susan's mum, yeah. Dory. Yeah. Which every time I heard that, I just felt of um, Finding Nemo. So you first start off and it's Thanksgiving. And there's a huge Thanksgiving parade done by Cole's department store. Yeah. Um. And you see Dory, she's running around. You can tell that she's a career woman because she's got her hair done, but then really high heels. She can run around very fast in, which I'm amazed by. And their Santa that they've got ends up drunk and um, they end up getting Chris, Kring Chris Kringle off the street. And then the next day he starts working as their store Santa and he's the real Santa. Yes. And he, he claims to be the well, real Santa. He claims to be the real Santa. He's a proper Santa suit and a real beard. And do you know what? I remember watching this film when I was little and it is magical to watch. And I was saying this to you, it's a magical film, but no magic yeah. actually happens in it. There's nothing magical at all. There's no like, everything that happens, happens for a reason and a very believable reason. Mm. 
but it, it does, it just has that warm Christmassy cheer. And then, oh, you know, I don't even know what I can sort of say about <laughs> it. Because to me, it is a wonderful Christmas film. And I was saying to you, like, I can't wait till we have kids. I can be like, let's watch Miracle on 34th Street because he is just a man. He tells parents where to go buy their presents and get it cheaper. So he's not saying, oh, yeah, it's all right, I'll bring the present. He's going, oh, yeah, well, if you need to buy the present, go here and buy it. Because yeah, yeah. parents do buy the presents. He, you see where he lives in a senior centre. He's not magically disappearing into the night as some other Santa films do. He's uh, yeah. a physical being in this. Yeah, and I think... Again, it's. I, mean, I do actually quite enjoy the plot of this movie, um, but it's mostly centered around that that angle of tr- legally trying to say that Santa exists. Yes, uh, we're not really saying that Santa exists, but you, you the fact He's that the you, embodiment. you, but you can't say that Santa doesn't exist because you can't prove it. Yeah, that's what I quite like about it. But what makes this movie? It kind of like what Macaulay Culkin makes about Home Alone. He's, it's Richard Attenborough. Oh yeah, he's just wonderful. Um, you just want to give him a cuddle. You do, and the thing is, it's there's one thing as well. Is like there's nothing more than or more not not alarming. That's the wrong word. There's nothing more sort of you you spot it when you put a great actor mm-hmm. in a group of not bad actors, but just sort of like your normal box standard. But no, not box standard, but just just. Like TV actors, basically, because mm-hmm. when he's on screen, when he's talking, you are so drawn into what he's saying. It's he is something. He's magnetic, and he is really, really, yeah. You, you, you believe that mm-hmm. he is centering this, and it's through his warmth and through the fact that he doesn't really have any cynicism in him. No, nope. and it's just him trying to spread joy. Um, and also you've got this idea. Throughout the film, especially you've, it, it sort of bodies itself within that Mara Wilson's character and the mother. Mm-hmm. It, it's the fighting the, the 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 thing of let kids be kids. Yeah, Which I yeah, fully get. It's like yes, you can say that you're lying to your kids that you're saying Santa, but no, it's like you when you're trying to give your kids a world like a world view and to give them opinions it's like no let them use their imagination let mm-hmm. them for the first part of their lives believe that magic exists yeah and because I think that's yeah and it's you're robbing them of a childhood there and i think that is what dylan mcdermott's character is trying to get across to yeah. elizabeth perkins because you get the idea of what Elizabeth Perkins is saying. Like, well, I don't want her to be sad when she finds out this in She's in the future. A yeah, so it's like, well, but are you really sad that Santa doesn't exist when you you remember the fond memories rather than the betrayal? See, because it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's like I said earlier. If my dad always going, well, look who Santa's been. If like he did that up until I moved out in my late twenties, and he would always joke about it because he's like. But that's what we did. Yeah. It keeps that like fun little bit. And then when you get older and you have like younger, like we've got little niece and nephew mm-hmm. and our friends have got kids and be like, oh, is Santa coming and everything. And you see the excitement and everything about yeah. it. It's lovely and it makes you feel like, it, it reminds you of being a kid. Yeah. 
at Christmas. And to me, that's what this film does. It's a very realist film. It has a lot of things set in, this is how the system works and this is what happens. But it's got, like I said, Richard Attenborough, he, he's amazing in this. Yeah. He is just wonderful. And then, um, oh, the scene with the little deaf girl. Yes. That makes me cry every single time. Like, I even cried last night when we watched it. Because it it's that whole, every child. It's compassion. Yeah. and But every child can, can feel the magic at Christmas. Yeah. No matter who they are. I don't know. It's only that she's she's deaf. And she just wants to go and see Santa. And she was happy enough just to be able to go and see Santa. But the fact that he was able to like sing Jingle Bells with her yeah. and talk to her, that's like a memory that a child would then keep. Oh, yeah. Because we were discussing about how you never went to go see like a star Santa. I can never remember going to see a star Santa. But my mum used to always take me and my sister to one big department store where we lived. And in the basement, they used to make it out to be Santa's Grotto. And we used to always go. And it was amazing. I remember going in, it being all dark and twinkly lights everywhere. And like elves telling you where to go and everything. Yeah. And then at the end, you get like a little Prezi. And it was great. You get to go see Santa, tell him what you want, have a picture taken. Loved it. That to me is part of the magic. And when you see Mara Wilson's character at first and she's like yeah i know it's just like you just seem a little bit sad like she looks on at the other kids with envy yeah because she's like they're so excited and they're so happy living i don't want to say like living this lie but i i yeah. actually i actually think i mean watching these and these aren't the there's a bad things about these movies maybe they are i mean there's, there's a couple of things i wanted to say about miracle on 34th street is it kind of looks like a tv movie it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't look cinematic, and I think it sort of forgets who its main character is halfway through, because like for the first half of the movie, Mara Wilson is technically the protagonist, protagonist yeah. of this movie, and then when it moves into the courtroom stuff, she just isn't on screen for the next 25 minutes. That is true. It's like, okay. Maybe she had to go to school. Maybe. But what would I think we could talk about is these two, two Christmas movies mm-hmm. about the higher to middle class people of yes. of kids who can't say what they want for Christmas, what they basically they can they've got you've got well in Home Alone they live in a huge suburban house with I mean it must be like fifteen rooms and in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street at the end they get a huge house a mansion a brownstone before yeah. brownstone apartment overlooking central park before they even move so it's sort of like it's yes it's christmas eve but what is the messages that it's holding across here is, is, can people relate to that when the general people who are watching it are just happy to have their family and yeah. to have that sort of the feeling instead of all the gifts and all the the love and whatever but that's it like the Mara Wilson, which is what she wants for Christmas, is a dad, family. Yeah, a dad and yeah. a little brother. And she's like, that's all I've ever, have ever wanted. So again, it's the simple things. Yes, they are very rich. And yes, oh yeah, she wants a house and a dad and a baby brother. Yeah. And, and not only not only a house, a house that must be like, well, as I was saying, like three and a half million dollars. Yes. <laughs> but the whole, she wants, 
She wants a family home. Yeah. She wants, she's seen it in that the, the catalogue and that's what she wants. She wants a home filled with happiness and love. Yeah. Which, yes, she wants like a ridiculously expensive house. But I think most kids would want that. They would oh. want a home that they feel love and warmth and everything in it, especially mm. at Christmas. So I think it is a nice, um, like a little message. Uh, but yeah, she has she has she's got more expensive taste than I do. Yeah, really does. <laughs> but no, the thing is, it is it's it's again it's it's like Home Alone. It's a great movie. Nobody's a good Christmas movie. Yes, yes, because it does make you feel all warm. Like when I have always loved the conclusion of this of this movie, um, and obviously the original is the fact that you've got this plot device at the end where. You're the dollar bill, and in God we trust, and how mm-hmm. that then gives the judge the confidence. The, the confi- well, the idea of saying, "Well, well, we can't because you give me proof that God exists." Can't. It's like setting a precedent. It's like if people said, "All right, well, you said that Santa doesn't." Somebody's then going to come up and go, "Well, God doesn't exist," yeah. and they're going to have to rule on that, and they'd have to rule in the same way. So he's also kind of protecting himself. Mm. by being able to do that but it is it's just a nice i also really like the fact that it's um the we believe yes campaign which is like such like an early hashtag like it you is. could see that working now and it's been like all over twitter and instagram and everything else yeah i also think also there's a there's a it's what gets him arrested in the end but there's a pedophile joke in there there is a pedo joke and it just doesn't really fit this the the film, you know what I mean. I don't know how they would do try and get something out of him, but when he does say that, it's like, well, kids need that explained to them. Well, no, I don't think a kid would question that because the, the man saying it is nasty and dirty, and we've seen him, and he's not a nice man. Yeah. So he's just saying nasty things to Santa. He's just saying things to try and make Santa. Angry. And he's saying them in a nasty way. So I don't think kids would question what it was he was just saying. So I, I completely forgot that was there. And I was like, oh, yeah. does it really... You just felt like a sledgehammer at the time. I was like, oh, that felt so out of place. Mm-hmm. In, but in not this... out of place for the character who was saying true, it. True, true. So, so yeah, I think that guy is very much... He's a nasty person. So kids would go, well, he's saying nasty things. Yeah. We might not in- understand them, but I don't think kids would question it. Yeah. Do you have any fun facts? I do have a couple of fun facts. Um, So uh, they actually put lights above the heads of each actor. Mm-hmm. So that way it would give them the nice, warm, classic remake movie sort of glow. Apparently it was very popular in the 90s. Um, the doorman in this was a guy called Alvin Green. Right. And he also appeared as Alfred in the original 1947 film. All right. A little cameo in this one. And finally, um, the store in it is called Coles. They wanted it to be Macy's because, of course, it's Macy's Day Parade, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. But Macy's refused the permission for their name to be used in this film, which I think, if you think of how often it's been played... And how long it's been going, they must have kicked themselves after that. Yeah. That's it. That's my three fun facts. 
So, yeah, I think that's it for this that week. That is it for this week. Brilliant. And we said we were back next week with our alternative Christmas movies. Yes. We always we already have them picked out. Yes. Mine is weird. Yeah, so is mine. Well, mine isn't weird, but it's nice. It's nice. It's nice? Yeah. Is this as nice as you said the other film and then the cat got ran over? <laughs> it's a bit nicer than that one. Good, because that one was awful. Although I, I do have another one which really isn't. I'm, I'm fighting against the two. One will be very strange and the other one's kind of nice and warm, but I'm I'm, I'm tempted around the very, very strange one. But We're going to have to have a podcast of films that Laura made Jordan turn off. But it's two hours, 45 minutes long and it's... And I've got another two nights out between now and then. I know. I'm going to have six, what, five nights out before Christmas. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll battle through those and we'll be back next Monday. Battle through. <laughs> it's so hard watching films and then talking about them. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I think that's another episode. That's goodbye from me. That's bye from me. See ya. Bye.